So if you guys have a Bible, you can turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 10, 8 through 15. And on the front of your song sheet, we have this prayer that we've been praying through Ecclesiastes. And so if you guys will pray with it, uh, this with me, and then we'll, we'll go ahead and read the text and get into it. Lord, give us life as we seek you and your kingdom with a whole heart, as we attempt to fear you and keep your commandments. Let our life be found in Christ, led by the Holy Spirit, as we walk in the arena of God's great mysteries. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verses 8 through 15. He who digs a pit will fall into it, and a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stones is hurt by them, and he who splits logs is endangered by them. If the iron is blunt, And one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength, but wisdom helps one to succeed. If the serpent bites before it is charmed, there is no advantage to the charmer. The words of a wise man's mouth will win him favor, but the lips of a fool will consume him. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness." A fool multiplies words, though no man knows what it is to be. And who can tell him what will be after him? The toil of a fool wearies him, for he does not know the way to the city. I was a, you guys, I don't know if everybody knows this, but I was an asphalt paver for over 10 years. Just over 10 years. I patched up roads and parking lots, and uh, I was even really, really good at making speed bumps. Like, I I could make a speed bump that would rip your bumper off if you were going more than five miles per hour. That was my specialty. A lot of uh, property management, they're like, I don't know who built those speed bumps, but send them back to build more. Uh, Particularly, like, I was really good right in front of, like, children's zones. I'm like, I didn't have kids at the time, most of the time. No, never as an asphalt paper, but I was like, let's protect these kids. And I would, I think they're speed mountains instead. So, um, but I, I also, I also paved a number of driveways, but primarily I patched up roads where new utilities were put in. So fiber optic, boom, I was there paving, paving the way through that. And, um, and then anytime like new water, we'd go out and do these little patches and roads and do all that kind of stuff. It was an extremely labor intensive job. It was stinky. Mo can say amen to that because the first year we were married, I was there. It was hot. Asphalt is over 300 degrees. And so it could, if you like held it in your hand, it would burn you. Or if you stood in like where it was on the ground for too long, it was very hot. And it was also dangerous. It was dangerous at times. We were constantly on the road. So you'd set up your cones, but, and you'd set up all the signs and stuff like that. But oftentimes you had to set up the cones to where it was like you were working right where traffic was passing by you, and I've I've been hit almost hit by uh, more cars than I can count. And this is not even to mention the heavy machinery, like asphalt pavers are heavy, heavy rollers are heavy, the the things to dig out the road, you know, either excavators or whatever they may be, were heavy. And um, I've seen all of those things tip over, well, not a paver, but I've seen, no, I have seen a paver tip over too. Like I've, all of these things have tipped over. And if you're on the wrong side of it, you're, you're in trouble or 
roller loses uh, loses its way and runs into something, uh, I may or may not have hit something at one point or another. I don't know. I'm not claiming anything right now. But not to mention also the crews that I worked with. Some crews I had, they were great, great guys. I really enjoyed them. Uh, some crews I had to pray that God, that they would show up to work sober because I didn't trust them with the heavy machinery and they would be high on God knows what. And then I was supposed to work like downhill of them while they're operating this machinery and they're all high on drugs. Uh, that was one of the things that I hated, um, about the job in certain situations. But the thing I hated the most was tar was, was tar. So what you would do is you would have to seal up the patch in the road with tar, go around the edges of it so that water wouldn't get into it and then dissolve the whole thing. And what you would do is you would heat up the metal pot that it came in with a propane torch and you'd wear thick gloves while you'd handle it. You'd pour it into a pot and it, it wasn't, um, I wasn't always, it wasn't safe, but the the least safe thing in my mind always was the hot tar. I always figured I could like get out of the way of a car or if like the machinery, I always like kind of knew like, okay, I had my outs here and here, but when you go to the tar, there's not a lot of outs if something goes bad. And I had a, a very reverent fear for hot tar. I, uh, one of the first guys that I worked with, he had a number of burns on his arms. I was like, where'd you get those? And he's hot tar. And I'd, I'd seen a number of guys with, uh, you know, tars jumping up and splashing on them. And I, I, I've even been burnt, but just little bits, little pieces of tar jumping up on you and burning you. And, uh, I, I never saw any like real accidents with tar, but I was always very, very cautious with it as well. Whenever I had to do it. One day after I'd been paving about nine years, I was on a job with two other guys in West Seattle. I'll never, this is one job site that I'll never forget. There's a lot that I have, but I was working with Dale and Joe, two of my favorite people that I've ever worked with. Um, uh, Dale particularly uh, was just uh, very dear to my heart. Um, And uh, when we had finished our patch and we were waiting for the tar to heat up, we were sitting around talking and joking. It was very cold. It was a July it was a July morning. Uh, it was right before Mo and I got married. We were finishing up the patch and waiting for the tar to heat up. And once, uh, once we figured it was ready, I, what you would do is because you'd keep the lid on while you're heating it. And I would always take a shovel and I would tap the top of the lid. And that's how I would take the lid off because I didn't want to go put my face down by it and lift it up that way. So I went to hit the lid off, which was pretty common. I mean, everybody kind of did that because you're far away enough from it. The lid was this particular time. The lid was stuck onto the tar. Wasn't melted enough. The bucket fell over. There was a hole is like a little hole in the bottom that as soon as it flipped over that tar hit the flames, shot up into the air and well, there was a huge ball of flame and I turned my head. I darted my way out of my flame, uh, out of the flame. And I just kind of like ran away for it. And I was able to ex- uh, ex- escape the, the tar that was shooting into the air. So what had happened was the bottom of the tar was melted while the top half was still, uh, while the lid was still stuck and the melted tar at the bottom became pressurized 
as things do because the heat had nowhere to go. And this is one of the first things when you're handling tar that you'll learn how to do. The first thing you do is you run the torch all along the side for a couple minutes so that you can create a vent path for the tar so that when it does start to bubble, it has somewhere to go. Now, I've done this a hundred times, hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of times, even maybe thousands. And I, to this day, I can't remember who put the tar on the fire, but whoever it was forgot to vent the sides. And um, while I got away from the tar, Joe was hit in the face with tar. He was in, in the middle of the big ball of flame. And as soon as the flame died down and it did so quickly, it was like a, like kind of like an explosion and then it went away. Joe was in a bad way, crying, screaming, no more eyebrows. You could see like his, his hairline was farther back than it normally was. And right away, pick up the phone, call 911. Told, they told me what to do and how to treat him. And basically it was like, just wait till we get there. Keep him away from dousing himself with water, I think is what they said. Whatever he wanted, they said don't do because the tar could have gotten in his lungs and could have really done a lot of damage there. And I was basically, as we waited for them to show up, I just remember crying apologizing to Joe, like kind of freaking out because I had hit the bucket that burned this man's face. I'd scarred him for life and I knew it right away. I knew it right away. It's interesting because after nine years in asphalt paving, this was a complete accident. And it was around something that I feared and had used wisdom with for years and years and years and been able to avoid so many accidents and I still, I still, even to this day, when I think about this, even when I was writing this this morning, I feel bad. I feel bad. I wonder what Joe's up to because I know that I hurt him. I mean, I did go to the hospital and visit him and he forgave me. And it was like, we, we, we were okay. He knew it was an accident. But this story falls in line with what these verses in Ecclesiastes are saying. They're saying that there are accidents when you work in a certain profession or, and it doesn't matter the profession, like when there are accidents that most of which you can avoid with wisdom and caution. And sometimes though, accidents happen. I had, I, I still to this day have wisdom with tar if I was ever around it, which I hope I can never be again, please Jesus. Uh, I, I, but I still have wisdom and Sometimes accidents happen for whatever reason. We don't know. For me, in this story, there was a cause and effect. Somebody, and I don't know who it was, it was one of the three of us, there, there, uh, there, there was somebody didn't vent the sides. Period. That's what happened. Something uh, wisdom and procedure tells one to do when heating up a big bucket of tar. So sometimes hard times can be avoided with this wisdom, right? But wisdom, as we've been learning this whole time, has its limits. And we as humans have limits as well. And there is an inherent risk to living in this world. There are dangers. There are accidents. There are troubles that can come on all of us. And, um, and, and they can and they will happen. 
Because there's enough foolishness in this world to go around. We're all going to get stung by it at some times. We're all going to act in it, and we're all going to have it acted upon us at some time or another. And we just kind of need to know this, that these dangers that we can fall into and dangers that can harm us and harm our well-being, these dangers are physical, emotional, spiritual, financial, mental. And dangers lurk around every corner with every new day. God's mercies are new every day, but these things are still the, here, there in our world. And while there are many dangers, I, I just want to list a few categories that I think that this kind of lists. And, and, and um, it's not a complete category, and it's not all encompassing, so feel free to make up your own categories as well. But one of the things that when we get to this, we can see that some of these things that happen in this world are self-inflicted. <laughs> You have done something foolish. That foolish thing comes back to bite you. There are thousands of ways to uh, inflict harm and misery on oneself. Thousands of ways. There are, well, you could even say that you could say there are a million ways to be foolish, really. I mean, you could be foolish in so many different reasons. And we try to use wisdom to avoid some calamities, but there are also some things that we do repeatedly that we're either blind to or we just act and uh, we're just asking for accidents to happen. These would be self-inflicted foolish things that we do. Uh, You guys have all your own foolish things that you do. You can list those for you. I'm not going to point. I've seen them in some of y'all and I'm not going to point them out though. So um, I've seen them in me too and I'm not going to point those out either. But maybe we have uh, been warned about some of these things and we choose to ignore them. Or maybe we're just like, whatever. God, um, I love this one. I was thinking about this one this morning. Is that sometimes people are like, well, God's good. Like, folly happens. I'm just going to do whatever I want anyway. Like, and then they just go around and folly just falls all around them because they, in one sense, they're believing in the sovereignty of God. And when they're all they're doing, it really is acting foolishly. But none of us in this room, I don't care of our age, gender, whatever, our height or our breadth, doesn't matter. None of us will avoid these things. We will all have self-inflicted things that come upon us. The second thing, second kind of category, is malicious scheming. Malicious scheming. This is another way that accident happens. Someone develops a scheme or a scam and they try and entrap you and you get caught up in it by them and you become a victim. There are thousands of ways for this to happen as well. Millions of ways. There are accidents or dangers that can happen to us that are not accidents by the ones who wished to impose their will on you and take advantage of you. There are malicious schemers in this world, and Lord willing, we won't fall prey to any of these, but some of these we're even blind to. We might be in right in this moment where we're just walking in these foolish things, and Lord willing, we'll have the wisdom and wherewithal to avoid these but they, we have to recognize that there are malicious scammers in this world and they're scheming to come against us. Rulers, principalities, all these things are coming against us. Like when the Psalms, well, the rest of the scripture as well, but they say we have enemies. This is true. We have enemies. They not Some hate us because we're Christian. Some hate us just because we're human. And we get to try and with wisdom avoid these things. Then the, the last category I will say is careless conduct. Um, 
for whatever reason, uh, someone is just simply aloof. Somebody's simply aloof. We have a momentary lapse of wisdom, and then in that momentary lapse, harm befalls us. Again, physically, emotionally, spiritually, one of those things. Careless conduct uh, can be our, our careless conduct or the careless conduct of others. Lots of harm in this world has come from careless conduct. This is where I'd put my story about the asphalt in this. Is, is I could have gone down and just pried the lid to see if it was stuck. And if not, I could have like vented it and prevented that whole thing. The other thing is, is somebody could have vented the sides. It wasn't done. And so it's one of, it's one of those things. It was just, it was careless conduct. Went, bam, because I'd done it a hundred times before and accidents happened. Now, while accidents are kind of in these three broad categories, we must realize this. Wisdom is helpful, but it has its limits. It has its limits. We can be prepared because preparedness is helpful. Be, we can be aware because awareness is also helpful, but doesn't always work. Doesn't always get us out of harm's way. Again, we have our limits and it, we can't get out of every trouble. The second part of the scripture has to do with words. How many of you guys have experienced healing words? A well-timed word where somebody spoke into your life and it was beautiful, life-giving, nurturing. And it was one of those things where you're just so thankful that somebody said that exact thing to you at that exact time. A well-placed, well-timed word can serve as comfort and be a great help. How many of us have had ill-placed words spoken over us? Wrong word, wrong time. Even if it's the right heart, still wrong word, wrong time. Right? It can bring harm. It can bring frustration. It can bring uh, anger and confusion. And it's not, uh, it's not helpful being wise with our words is a helpful thing, isn't it? And I love this. A fool babbles and rambles. Babbles and rambles. And you guys, I, I was thinking about this this morning too because every other preacher at Grace and Mercy, their sermons are about a third of the time of mine. So you can say who is wise and who is foolish. Uh, a fool babbles. However, even with words, there can be accidents and harmful things can happen unintended by the giver. And I love, I love thinking about it like this. Language and the ability to communicate whatever we believe or feel at that moment, um, it has its limits. And you know this if you've ever been in a relationship. If you've ever been in a friendship or you've had a co-worker or there are, we know that there are limits to language and communication and some of these limits can cause great harm. They can be accidents. Wisdom and understanding with words cannot happen at all moments. We cannot have an answer for everything. Amen? There, there are moments where words need to be. So even if we're silent, sometimes that's not the right thing. Sometimes the no holding, withholding words can be harmful. And there are many words, though, that aren't going to help. 
Because even in these things, we all have our limits on our understanding. When to speak and when to be silent. And even we all have our limits understanding what words need to be spoken and when they need to be spoken. Neither silence or talking are always solutions. Amen? None of them. We've got to learn both ways of communication. They can both be very healing and both be very harmful. We have our limits on understanding and which way is the best way to approach every situation. Again, because we cannot have answers for everything. This is what Ecclesiastes is telling us over and over and over again. We don't have enough knowledge. We don't have enough wisdom. We never will. We have our limits and we, tr- we, ha- we live within them. And uh, our good works will not save us. And our good words will not save us. Our hard work will not get us out of everything that we can ever come across. But you know what we get to do? We, can't, we get to keep walking. And so I was thinking about this in Ecclesiastes. Like, so much of this is like hopefulness, right? Like, the, the, like okay, so yeah, mercies are new every morning, but so are these dangers and these follies everywhere. They're all around us. And we can't have an answer for everything. And even our good answers are not all that great. So if wisdom can't save us, I used to think, like, I used to hear uh, when I was a kid, I can't remember if it was a pastor or just somebody in the church. They said, uh, they said, read a proverb a day. It'll save you a lot of problems. It's true. But I've also seen people that live out, like, if you read proverbs a day, like, you're never going to have problems. That's not true. So if wisdom can't save us, what can? I've said it from this way from time to time. We can all, I hope that when we all left our homes, we can lock our doors that would be wise, right? Mm-hmm. It would be wise. But who's the one who protects us? Who's the one that watches over your home when you're not away? What is it that truly makes your home secure? Again, we apply wisdom with locks, cameras, whatever thing that you do. But it is God who ultimately protects your home when you're there and when you're away. Same thing with our children. If you've had children, raise your hand. Yeah, amen. How many of us are trying to do the best or did our best to raise them in the ways that they should go? Like we're trying our best to raise them. You know what? Yeah, we're, uh, sorry. We, uh, we do as parents, we have or we do do great things at moments. Amen? Uh. Hey, aren't there moments when I've done great things? Yes. Yes. Amen. Amen. So there are. Um, But I've also made some mistakes as well. And I know all the other parents in this room have as well. Because again, we can come to Ecclesiastes and it shows us that we have our limits. So who is it that protects our kids? It is God. God will use us to teach them and shape them. But he will teach them what to do. And he will also teach us. Uh, through he will teach them through us what not to do and hopefully the next generation will be better than the last will be better than the previous that is our hope isn't it as parents mom is is that your hope for me that i would be better than you yes yes okay so i'm still working on it and so i'm still praying for it, still praying for it. <laughs> amen good answer the same thing is true is true with with is true with our health 
right? Who's the ultimate protector of our health, right? Who's the ultimate protector of our finances? Who's the ultimate protector and giver of our education, our jobs, our careers? No one can know it all and no one saves themselves. There is a, at least a common grace that comes in and helps those in times of need. And we as Christians get to recognize this need in our life, this limit that we come up against. And even in those needs, we get to also recognize and acknowledge God's presence in our life. In all things. God's presence is a large part of the solution that we get to see. It's the most important part. Because I believe that human wisdom and human ingenuity is a part, but it is God who even imparts wisdom and gives it as a gift. This could be momentary wisdom for certain situation, or it could be wisdom as a part of one's life, but God gives these things as a gift because God is present. And God's presence is something that we get to acknowledge. We get to come to desire. That's why we start services saying, God, will you please be here in our midst? Show your presence. Reveal it to us. And we can see best how God would act in any situation through his son, Jesus. Amen? Like this is the best lens we have. We can read about Jesus, think about Jesus, listen to sermons or podcasts or whatever it is about Jesus, pray about how Jesus interacted in his life. And in that, we follow him. And as we follow him, we can also recognize that there was harm that befell Jesus. There was foolishness that impacted the way that Jesus lived. I don't think any of it was self-inflicted on Jesus' part. I'm pretty sure it was all like the malicious scheming or the, you know, unintended consequences of of foolishness. But even with God's perfect presence, there was still foolishness and calamities that befell Jesus and it will befall us as well as his followers. But God's presence is a great light and it is helpful. We have someone who we can cry out to in these moments, someone that I pray that we know who loves us. We know that God is there and God wants good for us. And even though Jesus went to the cross and then instructs us to pick up our cross and follow him, in this we live in close proximity to Jesus, his way, his life, and all that we do. I'll say this, and I truly believe this with all my heart. God is a kind God. And just because we go through folly that mankind has been through, and the fact that he is even with us in this moment, that he never takes away his goodness from us. And what the world intended through foolishness and intended for harm, God does, can, and does use for our good and his glory. Maybe it doesn't feel like it in the moment, but ultimately he always does this. Last night I was praying through my Psalms and I was in Psalm 52. And the translation that I was reading said it this way. God's kindness is all day long. All day long. I really like that because sometimes days are really long. The Psalm I prayed before that is Psalm 36 and it said, Lord in the heavens, your kindness 
And then it listed a bunch of things that implied on your earth is kindness. Your kindness is our shelter, the place that we go to. How dear is your kindness to us? And then it says this, draw down your kindness to those who know you and seek you. So let us be people who know him and seek him because his kindness is all day. It is from the heavens to the earth. It is available for each one of us in every moment that God has us in presently. And he is always present with us. We will walk through pain and sorrow. God will be there for us in those moments. Some of these will be scheming. Some of us will be our own folly. But his presence is a kindness to us. So let us seek him out. Let us seek him out. So since troubles, accidents, and dangers will befall us, and we can't avoid them, and what we really need is God's presence in our life. But I'll, I'll say this. Does that mean we don't try? Does that mean we don't try? Like we don't put forth effort? I have seen... Um, I have seen it, it so many times. They're like, well, I mean, foolishness is going to befall us, so I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to do whatever I want. So does that mean we don't try? No. We still get to give effort to avoid foolishness, avoid dangers, avoid calamities, avoid accidents, and we get to use all the gifts that God has given us to avoid these things like time, money, intelligence, skills, experience, But we cannot, we must not neglect to fan the flame of God's presence and his kindness in our lives. Jesus left the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us in these ways of kindness. The Holy Spirit can speak to each one of us here today. Man, woman, boy, girl, child, he speaks to us. I think like I think of it this way as even as I was writing this and I was already put together the songs that Skylar picked out in the order that she picked them out in the wisdom that God gave her to use those that she might not even be able to recognize in the way that they were constructed was a beautiful thing and this morning the Holy Spirit used that to do his work. So we get to ask. We get to seek God's kingdom. On earth as it is in heaven. We get to listen to the Holy Spirit. We get to wait. And even in that, we get to trust that the Holy Spirit will lead us. And that the Holy Spirit is leading us even today. Let us remember, even though that there are accidents and we can't avoid them all. Jesus is still risen from the dead. Amen? Jesus has still overcome sin. Our sin, the sin of this world. He's canceled all the Affects the everlasting effects of foolishness and folly. And so in this, let us live for Jesus. When we make mistakes, as we all will, as we all do, let us rely on his kindness too. One commentator in the Psalms uses the word, instead of kindness, he uses the word grace. His loving kindness is the grace that we all need. Not just for the forgiveness of sins, we need that 100%. But we need that to recognize His presence in our lives. And so let us recognize God's presence in our lives. Father, I pray that you will help us avoid calamities that befall us all, that we will be able to exercise uh, your wisdom to get out of these things. And Lord, I pray that you will 
Lord, I just pray that you will protect us in all those things. Lord, but I pray more than that, we recognize your presence, recognize your kindness, and recognize your grace in and through our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.